Hello, everyone, and welcome to the State of Sport Management, a podcast with Dr. Matthew Hummel coming from the University of Cincinnati in Cincinnati, Ohio. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome everybody back to another episode of State of Sport Management. I have a a group across the globe here today, which I appreciate. We have one person waking up early and I appreciate that. And I'm going to be running to get my kids at the end. This will be our second episode of the season. I just did one on parenting a couple of days ago that will go, that should already be out by now. It was very therapeutic for all of us as we vented about what it's like to be a parent and uh, we won't get into any of that here. We don't need to bring all that down because we are talking about theory today, folks. There was a great new recently accepted and now in press paper at Sport Management Review called Sport Management or the Management of Sport, Reframing the Theory Deba- Debate. And I have almost all the authors here. One person I hear is Melina Perron, who's already been a guest on here, so we don't need to introduce her. Everybody knows who Melina is. She doesn't need a, a new introduction. But we'll kind of go through and do introductions for all all of our folks. So, Eric, go ahead and start us off. Tell us who you are, where you're at, and what your role is. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. So, hi, everyone. My name is Eric Lachance. I'm a postdoctoral research fellow in the Department of Sport Management at Brock University in St. Catharines in Ontario, Canada. I'm Jordan, uh, Jordan Bucks. I'm in Melbourne. I am at Deakin University in the Department of Management, working with the Sport Management Group there. Everyone, I'm Ashley Thompson. I'm an assistant professor at Brock University. Um, yeah, and loving to be on this podcast today. So, you know, Matt, really, it was a really great intro to start. You know, that uh, great discussion about theory. So we're gonna get some some fun some fun talks about. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it can be considered a boring topic, but I, I feel like you know you're gonna you're gonna make this this a great topic today. So. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. It is definitely interesting to go from what's it like to be a parent in faculty, as I just did yesterday or day before, which is not theory. It's all about survival and just uh, throwing things against the wall as hope as that fits. And theory is about a little bit more uh, nuanced and having a plan ahead of time, which sometimes parenting isn't as much. But I ran into this article because uh, I think it was just recently accepted and posted in press, uh, which I do appreciate a lot of the top journals are getting a lot better about putting articles that are in press that aren't in the actual journal print, and now the print's kind of gone away. So it's nice to get these a little bit ahead of time and be able to have time to digest them. But this was a topic I continually tried to hit um, because I think theory is one of these things that sometimes we use, we don't understand. Sometimes we understand and poorly use, and we're all learning as we kind of go along. Um, But it's something that we've much discussed, and I think that's what caught my eye is we've had some really important Ziegler articles. And for anyone new out there, Journal Sport Management, publishes a Ziegler article, and I should even go back further. NASM announces who a Ziegler Award winner is, which is like a career achievement award. And we, we've we had some Ziegler Award winners in the past come on the podcast and talk, but they're allowed to post or publish an article on their talk, their Ziegler talk. And there's been a couple of them, as um, all of you have talked about in your paper, of important Ziegler papers that have talked about the importance of theory in our field. And this dichotomy, as you talk about, that there's two different approaches within competing thoughts for sport management but i thought it'd be good for one of you to kind of take the lead like what are those two competing thoughts within sport management and theory and how they blend together absolutely so i'll just start and jump right in so when we think about theory and sport management and uh sort of when as a group collectively we began to conceptualize this article what was very important to keep in mind matt as you mentioned was those sort of ziegler lectures and some that came to mind in particular were 
the late Dr. Trevor Slacks in 1996, followed by Dr. Lawrence Chalup's Ziegler Lecture in 2006. And when we think about those two perspectives in the sense of laying the groundwork of two potential dichotomy or dichotomous perspectives in this so-called debate, we think about one that talks about more of a sport-focused model in the sense of developing sport-distinct knowledge and theories. What Chalup would have uh, mentioned or advocated, for instance, as a sport-focused model in that sense. And we labeled that as the sport management perspective in the article. And this is, on the other hand, what's met with more of a management of sport perspective, which the late Dr. Trevor Slack talked more about this aspect of borrowing previously accepted theories from other fields, in this case, using more of the management focus to simply uh, use it to apply it to sport, to understand sport phenomena, treating sport, if you will, as another context compared to pharmaceutical sciences or health management, if you will, in that sense. So that's the sort of so-called two uh, Ziegler lectures in particular, where we uh, found our inspiration for those two perspectives. Okay. And like I mentioned and warned these three ahead of time, I'll be the idiot asking idiot questions. And so I'll start off and I'll give an example and you tell me if this fits, but like we could be one approach as Dr. the late Dr. Slack talked about was this, we could be taking stakeholder theory, which is a very well-known and established management style theory, and then trying to fit it within the context of sport, right? So that's option number one. And then the other option or approach that people talk about is when we have a very specific theory that we're developing and creating and applying within the sport field. And it doesn't mean that others can't then try to, like you mentioned, healthcare management or management could then apply it into theirs, but it's this creation within sport. Am I correct here, group of that? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. I want to make sure all the nods of people are like, they probably all said no. And then Matt just kind of said, okay, and let's continue on. Um, but so that's for something to think about. Because I think for a lot of the doc students out there, you're taught and you are educated on these theories. And a lot of times they do come from other fields. Um, and especially part of that is where, and there's arguments on this, of whether the youth of our field is potentially a deficit and something that we're slowly building from on there. But is there other backgrounds or understandings or did you especially find anything that you wrote in your article that was important for the reviewers or readers to think about these two dichotomous things that are important for those to understand kind of where we're at with this like conflict between them? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that comes to mind is maybe this idea of trying to bring about an integrated perspective as opposed to maybe having to choose between one or the other, meaning the sport focused or more of this derivative model and the borrowing theories. And I think one of the big aspects was the perspective style. And that was one thing that was really brought up in a lot of our discussions and trying to maybe make sense of how do we position this article in relation to those two perspectives? And I don't know if Ashley or Jordan maybe want to speak to more about our discussions about that perspective style and more of those insights. Yeah, I can I can jump in here, Eric. I think um, that was an interesting piece because we, Matt, we 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 came about as you know very junior scholars still learning about theory and theory development about wanting to to add to the conversation, right? To write you know, something that we had learned from our advisor about theory and through our kind of um, comprehensive exams and, and preparing. So kudos to, to Milena for setting us up for success on that front. Um, and so we thought about, okay, we're going to talk about theory, but there are so many different ways in which we can conceptualize theory and, and we can apply it and, and talk about theory. And so um, during the pandemic, um, I actually, um, 
took part in a uh, online workshop, a, a webinar actually on how to write theory was the title of the workshop. Um, and it was um, Professor uh, Cornelison from um, the Erasmus University really talking about this idea of what, what theory means and what does it mean to write about theory. Um, and so one of the, you know, we talked about different perspectives, but one of them was this idea of a perspective style of theorizing. And basically the, the perspective style is really trying to gain a deeper understanding of a particular theoretical perspective. So it's really, the whole point is about when we're talking about perspective style theory, theorizing is you're questioning assumptions, you're questioning default assumptions. And so when we looked at the field of sport management, and as Eric talked about this idea of, you know, should our theories be grounded and based in our sort of uniqueness of our sport and our context, or should we be borrowing from existing, um, you know, broader management fields? And so this idea, and, and again, kudos to our, our supervisor, um, Milena, for having these discussions with us early on and also questioning, you know, these, um, these conversations that are happening in the field. And so this idea of the perspective style of theorizing um, was really applicable in this case. And it kind of set the way that we were going to actually write this paper paper and to actually think about, you know, theorizing um, and how to do theory and management. So basically what we're trying to do in this paper, I think we started to kind of theorize about theory development in that way. So it kind of added a bit of a, a layer of a complexity on that sense. I was going to add a little bit of context too, because um, so COVID and, and actually discussing the time frame was kind of year three for us as doc students. And we had been going through a couple of years of, of these readings and very much so a lot of the inclinations that we were having aligned with the Cornelison paper. So we got to this point where we were starting to question about our own theorizing, where our perspectives internally came from, whether it's for Eric, Ashley, or myself, or whether it's the field's broader perspective. Um, and kind of like a nice underlying layer of all that, we've talked about Melina. Melina was Eric and Ashley's supervisor. She was one of my supervisors. I had the pleasure of also being with Dr. Marika Tax. Um, and internally, Melina and Marika, are very similar in a lot of ways, but they also view theory slightly differently. Um, and they kind of do represent some of these perspectives nicely. And they created a really sort of harmonious opportunity for the three of us to bounce ideas off of each other, to learn the importance of sports uniqueness, but also the place that management does hold in our bigger field. So throughout our sort of first two years, whether it was coursework or conversations or reading lists or our own sort of wine nights, um, we really started to get towards this this paper that eventually Ashley was found through uh, this workshop that sort of kind of called to us in a lot of ways. So I think why I enjoy reading these articles, it is kind of tying together what Jordan Ashley were to sum up as this fourth dimensional thinking to borrow Doc Brown from Back to the Future with, with all my young folks here might not even get that reference, but that's okay. Um, reading through some of the literature, I thought it was really interesting of some of the Ziegler articles I've written or read going into about theory was a lot of like putting the gauntlet down that like I've always viewed Dr. Chelps as like, Hey, we need to do a better job of developing our own theory. It's important to us as a field to survival and all this stuff. Uh, and so to me, I've always viewed it as it's not necessarily one approach or the other, but that we need to try to acclimate to a, this higher being. But I also really enjoyed that you guys had an art or a, a, a sense in there talking about how, if we do borrow 
other theories from and apply them within that. It also avoids this replication constantly, which I've also noticed when I'm diving into my research in theory that I might view a management article talks about theory in this way, but then they have, there's a very similar theory in sociology or an HR related that has something different name. I mean, what are your thoughts as yet as you, all of you were kind of breaking down and compartmentalizing all these papers already talking about theory of positives, negatives? Yeah, I think uh, as any young scholar would maybe hopefully admit to, obviously in an honest standpoint is it was not easy to try to make sense of, right? Theory is very ambiguous for some, and you said it yourself, Matt, there are very th uh, a lot of theories rather that can be argued to be similar or overlapping in certain concepts. So I think it's just maybe important when we were going through this and on my side of things anyways, for, for you know, as a team member, we were thinking about this in the sense of, what does maybe theory from this perspective mean uh, in regards to a management of sport, in regards to sport of ma management of sport or sport management of sport, pardon me. So when we think about these things, it maybe just helps us to maybe give way to how stakeholder theory may be a management theory, but can be applied in sport. And then that can speak to certain aspects of our framework that we talk about in the paper of this idea that we can challenge maybe perhaps basic assumptions of these theories or whatnot, but I'm not sure if Jordan or Ashley as well have anything to add on that on that standpoint. But it was a little bit hard, I think, on my end to just try to dive in as a, as a young scholar and still obviously uh, uh, educational standpoint. Yeah, I definitely don't think it was easy in any way. Um, I do think something that's benefited us as a group is sort of this pragmatic perspective that we have. Um, I would say Eric, Ashley, and I we think similarly on many things, but we also come from it from different perspectives. So when we were sort of having conversations around, as Eric just alluded to, is a theory more, how would we think about management perspective or sport management perspective, specifically with how we would think about it from a sport management perspective, perspective, we would all come from it from a different lens, which sort of really helped us embody what was going on and how other people in our field might think about it, not just sort of a one track mindset. Yeah. And I think Matt, you made a great point about, you know, a lot of the times we read maybe some of these papers, for example, that they're very like, you know, you said throw down the gauntlet, throw down, down the hammer. They're very like specific off onto one side or the other, I'll say. And so I think the key piece from this paper was that integrating these, right? Recognizing that both sides have valid and, and worthwhile kind of um, points to contribute to our broader discussion around theory and sport management. So it's really this idea of taking both of these pieces and then kind of moving forward with both of them, as opposed to it just being, you know, um, you know, sport management or the management of sport in terms of its theory development. I think that's what was attracted me to this paper is the Ziegler papers are easy because you kind of get carte blanche. And I'm not saying that there isn't any feedback, but you're kind of invited to to make a statement and there's lots of paper on theory. Is there a lot of papers on the theory of theory? Like where this is, I feel like I so said, I meant where I had like a higher level, which I think is a little bit tougher to find empirical peer review pieces. So that's why I, I give kudos to all of you of kind of putting it in that track, something a little bit different that provides a little bit more nuance to what's going on. But, and I think that's, what's interesting is your paper is talking a lot about the sport management theory development framework, and you're trying to blend these two perspectives and I noticed that we have like these four steps, but I'll let you decide, like, how did you decide or when did you come to the conclusion that blending these competing approaches together might be the best way forward? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. So after Ashley brought up this idea of the perspective style following that webinar in one of our group meetings, and we started to conceptualize this idea, okay, well, if we take a perspective style, what does that mean in regards to the two perspectives in this uh, debate that we've labeled? And what does that mean for the framework? Well, we didn't want this to necessarily just be an op-ed about here's, you know, four people talking about their perspective on theory, sort of like a Ziegler lecture. We wanted to also have a sort of frame or a guide, if you will, to make sense of how would we really set the tone in the, in the sense of our perspective, bringing each side of the debate in this sort of integrated perspective. And that was related to Wheaton's 1989 article essentially on theory. And this is an article, I mean, that's been around for a few decades, right? And then we had to sort of dust off the cobwebs, if you will, if it was in print, but accessing a web source from one of our uh, comprehensive exam meetings from our supervisor that, that she provided us was very important to lay the groundwork in the sense of how can we maybe label our perspective to integrate both sides in the sense of the what, the why, the how, and then speaking to the when, the who and the where of sort of sport management theory development. So that was one of the perspectives in the articles. And you've mentioned this idea that People do share their perspective in Ziegler lectures, but there were a few peer-reviewed articles that we also found that were conceptual in the sense of Dr. Doherty's, uh, Dr. Fink's, and Dr. Chelladurai's in SMR, and that sort of special issue about theory um, a few years back, as well as Dr. Mills's recent paper in 2021 in JSM. So there were a few sort of ideas that were uh, laying the groundwork there, but the Wheaton sort of that aspect of what is theory and understanding in regards to these four aspects or categories was what really laid the groundwork. And I'm sure Ashley and Jordan would maybe uh, uh, agree with uh, that aspect in the sense of that really acted as a guide, if you will, to make us frame that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just, I'll add to that, Jordan, and then I'll pass it on to you. But just to, to add to what Eric was saying, like, we wanted it to me to be kind of practical, right? Like we remember reading Wheaton for the first time and being a little confused, you know, about like what we were doing, what we were reading and, and what we were trying to understand about this, again, very high level, somewhat ambiguous concept of, of theory. And so that's where Wheaton's, once we, once we got our, you know, heads around Wheaton, it actually became really helpful in terms of structuring um, this framework. So then it could be applicable to, you know, especially, you know, young doc students, early career researchers, people learning about theory for the first time and trying to enhance, um, you know, theory in, in their research and their um, articles. And so that's where kind of that Wheaton piece really kind of came in handy to make it practical. And, you know, some of the critiques could be absolutely that it's almost too simplistic in a way or that it's too prescriptive. But I think when you're starting out, especially learning about theory, it is so complicated that sometimes a little bit of guidance, a little bit of prescriptiveness is helpful, at, at least initially, um, as you kind of start on that kind of theory journey. Yeah, just to kind of briefly reiterate much of what Ash just said, we were doc students at the time struggling with our own understandings of theory. And we sat in many meetings after reading Wheaton for the first or the second or the third time and really not being able to grasp it too great yet. Um, so as present doc students writing this or beginning to develop it, we sat there being like, it would be really helpful if we had something prescriptive for ourselves to work through. And then by all means, it might it might flourish from here. It's just the start, we really don't know. Um, but being prescriptive and going back to Wheaton's way of doing that was actually really beneficial to us in the time and, and certainly as early career scholars now. 
one thing I really like on this paper is you have these four, can I call them steps, the four steps within your, your model? Um, they can change the, the wording on that if they feel like that's not the greatest, but I love that they're also put this branding of like the what, the who, and the when. I think that helps me digest this because I think as we're all saying, sometimes it can be tough to read a paper just on theory that you're, you are stripping the context away and just trying to comprehend a framework on its own, but kind of going through these and I'll let whoever wants to kind of take a, a, uh, a run at this, but that first step that you called it identifying the purpose and concepts and you called this the what, and I like that you have this sense here, this approach is important for sport management scholars to subsequently reflect on and identify relevant theoretical concepts borrowed for their studies. So talk us through, if someone you had to explain these four steps, let's start with this first one, the what and why it's important to understand for the framework. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll take a stab at it and if everybody, anybody else wants to add in, that's of course fine. So when we think about the what, when, what's important in that piece for that sort of step or that element in particular of our framework is for sport management scholars to think about, okay, if I'm doing a study like my thesis was on decision-making and board of directors. So if I'm doing a study on decision-making, decision-making as the main phenomena of interest has been studied for decades upon decades. So there's a lot of literature and theories for me to potentially pick from, to be apt and well-versed in, like some of the perspectives and some of the writings we would have based our sort of two perspectives on and, and presented that perspective style. So we think about borrowing theories, we have to reflect on what is the maybe main phenomena of interest or the various constructs that I'm interested in in my purpose or study, like if I'm interested in exploring decision-making in a certain context, decision-making in the context can lead me to understand maybe potential theories that I can start to choose from, let's say from the management literature or even decision-making would have been sociology. And I'm sure Ashley and Jordan can maybe speak to, from their own experiences, of course, of applying relevant theories in their own uh, previous work in that sense of thinking about what topics am I interested in based on the purpose research question. One thing I like to do is just to highlight the, the words that are, you know, the big words in the sense of the topics that I'm interested in. And then I try to dive into the literature to find relevant theories that might apply for that. And I would borrow it from, let's say, the management field in my prior experience. Yeah, and I would just add to that by saying, um, I think it's the first line of the paper is the cello quote. And it, it basically starts to, it, it provides a nice layer for the whole paper, but this stage especially where our field really just straddled two fields. It's the sport and the management. And it, it's almost a disservice if you tunnel vision yourself in one way. And it's very beneficial to, so decision-making with Eric's example, there's been decision-making in sport for a long time. We can look there, but it's just as important to also consider where those came from, if they were internal or external sport management, and then also what is going on external sport management in and of itself. And having that understanding, straddling both of those sides really starts this great foundation, which is step one of, of this sort of prescriptive model. Yeah, and then just really quick, Matt, to tie into what Eric and Jordan said, I think the key piece in that first step too is, you know, we think about, okay, what is the the problem as a researcher I'm trying to solve with Eric's decision-making problem, right? Like what what's the literature look like? What's been done? Where do I need, you know, to do my research? What gaps can I fill? What is that piece from a research perspective? Absolutely. But then that other piece, that other conversation and, and thought piece that we need to have as researchers is to also think about when we start to look at those kind of theory pieces, 
is what's the purpose? Like, what do I want to get out of this from a theory perspective, right? Because we all have to put theoretical kind of contributions um, in in our articles, right? That's usually some of the, one of the requirements. Um, and so now it's to think about, okay, I'm not only trying to find the purpose of my study, right? My, my research purpose, but then also thinking ahead, first and foremost, about how thinking ahead of that, what that contribution is going to be and what I'm going to contribute from a theoretical perspective to the field. Kind of my takeaway from this section, this is where you can tell me if I'm way off base or not, but this reminds me of like thinking about a concept. So like me as a researcher, maybe there's a concept similar to what I'm doing, but it's not something I've purposely written on. And now I'm deciding if I want to go in and looking into it. So for example, uh, calling is something that I've done more research recently on, but from previous work, I, it was not, it's something I had maybe read here and there about, but I hadn't really dove into. So it becomes a sense of I'm on Google Scholar searching calling papers and I'm finding a lot of maybe management business journals. But then my first thought always is like, okay, I can see it exists. I see the, the structure, but then it becomes like, okay, what's been done in sport and calling? And like, I just want to see what that looks like if it exists itself at all. And because sometimes I think of this first step, at least for me as a reader, that's what connected to me is this is almost like an encyclopedia of something that's been done, what's been categorized, like catalog, cataloged in sport on this. And whether this is a concept that maybe is totally new, which would really fulfill Chalp's thing, or if this is more Trevor Slack's or Dr. Slack's thought of it falling within something that's been done. Is that, am I on the right track there as I'm reading through that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's the whole sort of basis of it. It's just pause and reflect on what theory or what concepts rather you're sort of investigating and then to think about maybe the literature that's been, you know, relevant to that topic and then to choose from borrowed theories. Those borrowed theories, of course, can be from the sport management field, management field, sociology, of course, if we think about a lot of our management uh, theories come from sociology, of course, as well from the, in the inception of it. So it applies to that very well. Sometimes it can get framed as you're either choosing to borrow or you're choosing to be unique. And in a lot of instances, in your instance, for example, um, sometimes you might just find something that sort of rounds out the edges or complements what you were already thinking. And in other instances, you might actually borrow and that becomes a main tenant and some of sport management research can kind of fill out the edges. So it's not necessarily just a, you know, a black and a white or like one side or the other with this first step. It's very many iterations and sort of you know, gradients between the two. I wonder if researchers, and you can put yourself in this position, I wonder if it's easier for us to identify a gap of a previously established relationship framework than it is for us to go in cold and have to create something new. Like even if all of us were working on a project together and we feel very confident that the thing that we're envisioning, that we're contextualizing has not been done before, to me, that's scary. It's just like... <laughs> Why is this not out there? It, it would make me feel so much better from a publication standpoint to see that there's this little gap that or big gap that I can fill than if it was not done at all. But and I'll even like, Ashley, what are your thoughts on that? Am I is that on track or what would you feel if you were in that situation? I mean, you're right. Like it's it's, you know, especially especially if you're saying like there's nothing and you're trying to build new theory you're actually going through the process of, you know, utilizing our, our field and our context to build something new that maybe is going to be specific to um, our particular sport management context. Well, that's a bit terrifying to your point. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's a lot of work when we think about 
you know, developing theories, right? First, this idea of, you know, starting with this idea of conceptual frameworks and moving on and looking at those relationships. So, you know, moving to that theoretical framework and then keep pushing on like theory isn't developed in one article or in one, you know, um, um, study. It, it can take a, a whole career to really develop and get at um, this idea of theory. We utilize, you know, the word theory um, pretty liberally in a lot of cases in sport management and, and even, you know, we're, we're guilty of that as well, but just stakeholder theory. Um, as an example, there's, you know, a, a big debate in terms of stakeholder theory in the broader management literature of whether or not it's actually a theory um, and it qualifies as a theory. And so that's a kind of another piece to, to kind of what you're saying too. And so, you know, starting and, and going through that process of Oh, okay, you may you may not even start the whole process being like, okay, I'm going to go develop this theory, but it might evolve over the course of, of your, um, you know, of your research, but it's, it's certainly a, a challenging experience for sure. Yeah, so I don't want to labor that, but it is something that I wonder if there's some uh, participant bias in the sense of, yeah, it's just, it feels daunting, even though there's way more reward there in the sense of going on that. But that does go into your second step, which you call challenging previously accepted relationships. These are the how. So walk us through a little bit on that, on step two. Absolutely. So you were speaking a little bit to it, Matt, in the sense of, you know, when I think about the concepts that I'm investigating, when I think about the theories or the frameworks that I'm really trying to borrow to investigate that, that purpose and those research questions, now we get into the nitty gritty of questioning, okay, well, if for instance, Prior studies are saying that X predicts Y in the sense of, you know, good governance predicts good performance overall in the organization. If that's something that's discussed in the broader management literature, then how can we maybe advance or challenge that in sport? And this is where it relates back to more researchers in our field, sitting back and reflecting on what are the unique or distinct features that we can ground ourselves in to potentially challenge a phenomenon. One of the ones that is used time and time again is this idea of passion or emotional intensity among fans, for instance, that is a lot of uh, big body of literature there and also an emerging body of literature and governance in the sense of passion and passion among board members as well. So if we think about that, we can think about those features within our field that we can maybe label as being distinct or unique and use those, let's say, as tools or weapons, if you will, to try to advance those previously accepted relationships in a theory that we are borrowing, simply to avoid the fact of just a plug and play, if you will, of just taking a theory, borrowing it, applying it in sport, and then, you know, so to speak, calling it a day. That's not the basis of our framework. It's also to relate back to this idea of the sport focused model, more of that sport management perspective, and the notions that uh, Dr. Chalup would have put forth in his Ziegler lecture, all the while being true to this idea of borrowing prior theories from previously, you know, develop knowledge from other fields, if you will. So that would be the nitty gritty of that uh, pre or that particular element. Yeah. I do want to kind of tie this with the next one. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I think it's interesting. This challenging previously accepted relationships as each of you call it the how, and then the challenging underlying assumptions, which is step three as the why. And so maybe Jordan, you can speak a little bit like how if you're explaining to someone, how would these be looked at as two different things? So like a, someone that's new, a doc student would understand how these are two different steps. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing I was just kind of reflecting on myself and thinking of is um, how Eric talked about, you know, so so these whole, these challenging areas or these steps two and steps three, if you will, I think something that's really key that 
is underlined throughout our entire paper. It's very sort of front center with conversations today, whether it's on sport management, Twitter, or at conferences, um, is how we're contributing to our field. And I think that some of the most challenging things to do in a paper is actually how you kind of position yourself to show how you've contributed to the field, whether it's through theory, specifically for this paper, but sort of on that broader kind of higher level sense. And I think going through both of these steps, so whether it's challenging the previously accepted relationships or your underlying assumptions, so sort of what those four theories or concepts, um, how they can be challenged by or why they're challenged through your unique features. Once you have a good grapple on that, so combining the two, the how and the why part, you really have set yourself up to provide a really nice, concise answer on what you've done to contribute to sport management theory. Because not only do you understand how you're doing it, where it's coming from, but why these underlying assumptions maybe don't align perfectly in sport management or why some small little intricacies have been challenged and how that actually advances our needle. For instance, perhaps you've been applying um, a very popular management theory, like theory of planned behavior or social exchange theory or something like that. But in a certain sport management context, and over time, we've seen slight, slight changes that maybe the whole model doesn't apply. Well, understanding why that underlying assumption is not there sets you up for that beautiful sort of contribution. Yeah, absolutely. I would just like to touch on that as well. Jordan brought up a really good point in the sense of this higher level, like the why is moving away from, let's say, a relationship between X and Y concept. And when we talk about relationship in the paper, we also want to preface this that we're not just prefacing with or, or sort of uh, featuring a post-positive, this sort of quantitative approach. That's not at all. Relationships can be an impact, if you will, between one concept and another, if you're more of a qual approach, if you will, broadly speaking. But when we think about the why, it's like, for instance, a popular management theory is resource-based theory. Resource-based theory is based in very hard economics, and it persists that a competitive advantage is really focused on this idea of enhancing a firm's value. And a firm's value is typically associated to an economic rent. This idea of economic rents in a for-profit enterprise is okay if we're looking at the Microsofts and the Apples of the world. But when we look at a for-profit context like sport, we have this idea of competitive balance in many of our professional sport leagues, which gets at this idea of that assumption of a borrowed theory not a relationship between a concept and another, but that assumption, if you will. And that can also be applied, let's say, to enterprises like nonprofit sport organizations that have more of a social value. So what is that sort of context or those phenomena in that context? How can that challenge that basic assumption, if you will? If that sort of clarifies as well and provides more uh, more insights about how and why are sort of different, but they are sort of uh, ambiguous in the sense that they can be uh, one or the other, right? But they are very much different. Just to kind of flush me out a bit more. So Eric talked about his dissertation. Um, with mine, I, I sort of looked into the concept of social value from a resident and event sort of domain perspective. Um, very simply, as residents in a tax paying world, you pay taxes and some of those dollars are put towards hosting an event and you hope that there's a benefit that comes out of that. So something we can call social value. Um, now, when you go to broader management literature, we assume for profit, as Eric alluded to, but we also assume that the investor actually has control of what they're investing. Um, while we do have public referendums that sort of say yes or no, if you want to or don't invest, you do not control the amount that goes in. Um, so there's like some slight intricacies there that challenge the underlying assumption of where a regular exchange model would come from. And just in terms of the control that the investor, or in this case, the resident would have. So in our sport management, especially mega event context, it has slight intricacies 
that sort of challenge our underlying assumptions if we were to just boldly apply that model. Each of these sections has not only an overview of different theories that maybe are borrowed or created, but like you, for example, we just, Eric was just talking about, sorry, resource-based theory. And there's a whole section in there that kind of does a quick breakdown of why that applies, why it's relevant, what's grown from there. Like these are going to be good examples that might speak to you, to the exact theory you're using, or you can apply those concepts within the theory you're talking about. And they even talk about maybe a little bit of a future recommendations with this digital technology analytics and AI and how that can provide some really interesting potential uh, expansions going forward. But this kind of leads us up to step four, our last step, which is called establishing temporal and contextual boundaries, which is, as you called it, the who, when, and where. So like, tell us a little bit about the step four. Absolutely. So just to close it off in the sense of now, when we think about the concepts that I'm taking or borrowing, the relationships between those concepts or impacts and the assumptions of the theory that I'm borrowing, now it's to try to contextualize it, bound it, if you will, temporally and within the context of sport. Temporal can be this aspect of time. So one of the sort of distinct aspects of our field is that we are event heavy. A lot of our research is conducted in event spaces. We think about sport events and this notion of temporality, that if they are not enduring organizations, this can be something that can be used as the temporal boundary to challenge or advance a borrowed theory, relationships, or those assumptions. When we think about the who and the where, this is more associated to the context, meaning nonprofit sport organizations versus a for-profit sport organization, and if we're talking about individuals themselves or the organization overall. So that would be broadly speaking what we're talking about in the sense of temporal and contextual boundary. And then it relates a little bit back to these ideas of what are the distinct or unique aspects of sport that we can maybe challenge the who, the when, and the where. Yeah, again, going off these sections here is like that there's like this talking about volunteer research and complying within that. I also like the thought about the temporal boundaries. I think time is something that maybe we don't think as much about theorists. We think more about, hey, this is sport. I need to think about how this is unique to Australian sports or mice, or sometimes I'll also see specific sport like the growth of pickleball. Let's think about that. But sometimes it is important about timing and they bring up like one-off events. I know Dr. Perron has written a little bit about that. Uh, mega events can also be an example, but it also can be time of space. Like as we're recording this, even I saw on social media about discussion about the greater U.S. population being surveyed and is more open to letting athletes unionize at the college level. Like that's a very time sensitive thing. Like that's new. Five years ago, the thought of college athletes unionizing probably would have been a pariah as a public discussion, but now it seems to be much more open. So those are, can sometimes be really time sensitive to what's going on. And even Ashley mentioned pandemic, that obviously the pandemic was used as a good contextual timing of what that could mean. So there's lots of different pieces here and essentially thinking about how this can apply. But um, I'll let you guys take it from here. But what are our takeaways from this article specifically? Like what should a doc student, uh, practitioner might be a tough stretch, but especially if I was a young scholar, what's my big takeaway from reading this article as I'm layering into my theory classes of trying to understand how to apply theory within my research? Absolutely, Mike. So my main takeaway, if I was thinking about this back in my sort of student PhD hat on, I'm relating back to this idea that I can use this framework to maybe think about how I can establish a credible or legitimate body of knowledge within our field. Because simultaneously, I have legitimate sort of accepted borrowed theories and concepts that are being challenged or advanced via this idea of our assumptions, distinct features, if you will, within our field. 
it's sort of this idea of this rejuvenated aspect that sport management as a field does have a place. It has a place in regards to other fields like management or sociology. And if we can think about these four broad elements, maybe we can start to make sense of that. That would be maybe my main takeaway as a junior scholar. And hopefully that can maybe spark this idea of how it can maybe shape potential contributions, if you will, in my dissertation to, to say, okay, well, if I'm borrowing a theory, what are the assumptions of that theory? What are the nuances from a higher level? And how can I maybe advance or challenge that to, as Jordan and Ashley have alluded to, to make a real contribution, if you will, of this theory that's applied within sport management and also to other fields. And we've seen the impact of our field in beyond sport as well. So that's maybe the main takeaway for me for a young scholar. Sorry, I was struggling with my mute button. Um, I think if I can give any advice to a young scholar who's reading it, it would be to read it in sections and read it multiple times. Um, mainly because I think there's a lot of value in, as you alluded to earlier, Matt, just the literature review part. Actually understanding where a lot of our theories do come from in their perspectives, I think that really helps. Um, you know, we're a, a pretty substantive field at this point. It's been 30-ish years since JSM was established and I don't know, 60 years since sociology and sport well before. Um, it's great to read things in 2020 and 2023, but there's a lot of history there. And I think our literature review, to some extent, tries to present those two perspectives that are really entrenched in much of that current day research um, quite briefly. So I think spending time there and allowing yourself to indulge in the other readings that come out of that is really important in itself. And the second is, yeah, as Eric alluded to, once you kind of do as a PhD doc student, you're thinking about your dissertation, your kind of general problem that you're looking to solve or your topic that you're looking to contribute to, work yourself through these steps and think of how your topic fits in. Going back to Eric's dissertation, you know, the big central tenant words of decision-making and governance, what has been talked about in decision-making, understand that, really have a good grasp on level one, because it will actually help you so much kind of, you know, bolster through the rest of the model. So I think that would be some of my advice for it. Yeah, and I think to round out, just even thinking about it at a higher level, just remembering that, you know, sometimes, especially as students, we're, we're so focused on the sport piece, the sport management, Matt, you alluded to, like, you know, we'll just go right to sport to see what's been done. Um, and I think the idea and certainly how we were trained is to really think about, okay, let's look at it in sport. Absolutely. But then like, let's go back to the original articles about, you know, resource de uh, dependency theory or stakeholder theory, right? Like let's go read those original management sources to really understand the foundations of these theories. And then let's see how they were applied in sport management and how those have evolved or not given the context. Um, I think that that's kind of the key piece. Um, number one. And I think number two, when you're going through this, the journey of learning about theory and, and theory development is to really do what we did. And we relied on each other a lot, right? So as you're going through, whether it's this paper or, you know, Doherty's paper in um, 2013, um, or whatever type of, you know, Wheaton's, whatever paper that might be about theory that you don't understand is sit with your colleagues, you know, your peers that are going through this as well and have a discussion about it, you know, talk about, oh, I didn't understand this part. Uh, did you make sense of it? Or, you know, practically work through it because that's how we got through and that's how we understood and, and that's how you grow in terms of your, your knowledge and information and understanding of these pieces. So really lean on each other, I think, in, in that, in that moment. Yeah, and I'll try and stab on the practitioner one, Matt, if I'll uh, 
I think it would be similar to everything we've said about ourselves from an academic lens, just from a practitioner. I think as Ashley just really nicely said, it's almost easy to as people in sport management who we probably have an inherent love for sport in some way, whether it's specific, specific sport or sport itself. Um, you kind of want to gravitate towards sport. I would imagine a sport practitioner is very similar. Um, so almost just being open-minded to considering, okay, what do we know from our own sport organization or events or other within our network? But then outside of that, Fortune 500 companies are not necessarily our main area to consider. However, going back to Dari's 2013 paper, monodisciplinary is not the answer and interdisciplinary is, is extremely beneficial. So as a practitioner is to looking out to other industries, looking out to other sectors, and then seeing how they're connected and how you can actually borrow from there would also be very beneficial. Jordan said this earlier, of, and this is where I kind of fall on this. These are papers I kind of like to hold on to and read every once in a while. Um, maybe I, I'm slow to come around these things, but sometimes rereading these over time give me different thoughts. Like as Jordan said, I might read this now and it might be a big takeaway that 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 Slack citation I mentioned about replication, but I might read this in a year from now and it might speak to me in a very different way because of a reviewer comment or I'm thinking about my own theory progression or whatnot. But these are the ones that I kind of, I hold on to a couple different pieces that either I really like how someone writes their theory. So I might think about it that way, or this is making me critically think differently about things. So in that sense, this is something that could be really good to hold on to, keep in mind, percolate on it, kind of repeat the process over and over again as you go through. But all right, well, we're going to wrap up here, but I'll have each of you kind of go through Ashley, then Jordan, then Eric, but kind of, is there any conferences you might be at this coming year where someone might be able to to talk with you or chat with you, connect with you in some ways? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll be at ESIM um, in September. Um, so come find me if, if uh, first ESIM going, um, going there for the first time. So that'll be fun. And then I'll, I'll be at NASM as well um, in the coming year. So hopefully, uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions or just wants to talk about this, feel free to just walk up to me and introduce yourself. I always like to, to meet new people. So yeah. Yeah, same as me. If you see me at a conference, by all means, come up and say hi. Um, would love to chat your thoughts about anything paper or non-paper related. Um, being in Australia, I will be at SMANS uh, this coming November, December. Um, the plan, I might be at NASM or ESIM next year. It's a bit of a travel to get over across the, the ocean, so we'll see. But I'll certainly be at SMANS in 2024 um, if anyone is coming then, but hopefully NASM or ESIM in 2024. That's great. Now, now we're going to have to hold you to the, the Jordan to make the trip across the pond, <laughs> of course, to uh, NASM. So I will also be at ESIM in Belfast. So first ESIM in person, looking forward to that one as well. And in NASM uh, yearly conference, of course. So if uh, you see me around, feel free to come chat. We'd love to hear your thoughts about uh, the paper. And I think the main point is that this is just one perspective within this debate. And we hope that it sparks a lot more conversations, especially field level discussions about our sort of field's position, the existence, and what we mean about theory development. Awesome. Well, everybody, if you get a chance, say hi, especially in Belfast. Hopefully buy them a beer at a pub or something. That you gotta you gotta lean into the into the the area. And so, but yeah, I appreciate all of you doing this on pretty short notice and trying to get these in before the school year starts. But thanks everybody for the listening. I think this will be a good episode to kind of keep checking back, listen over and over again as maybe different thoughts might pop around or rattle around your head. But Thanks for joining this episode and we hope you join us for the next one.